Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Modern Mythology. With Modern Mythology, we go through several social issues and topics, and with the help of mythology and history, we see their evolution through time. Last time, we had an introduction of my home island, Cyprus. Cyprus is an independent country, yet it is part of the Greek civilization. Thanks to my country's heritage, I was lucky to grow up with mythology as my bedtime stories, but also as an inspiration and education. The most important mythological and historical figure in Cyprus is Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty. She is considered the child of Uranus, the sky, so she is also described as heavenly and divine. In Greek mythology, she is portrayed as the most beautiful woman with a charm that nobody could resist. She could seduce anyone. But unfortunately, nowadays the media only shows this part of her personality, the part that usually women are portrayed as, feminine, seductive, and perfect in appearance. But in ancient Cyprus, Aphrodite, which was then known as the mother goddess, was much more than that. She was indeed the epitome of beauty, but she was also the goddess of birth, marriage, fertilization, virginity, sexuality, pleasure, death, mourning, war, and many other aspects of life. While searching more and more about her story and personality, I realized how little I knew about her. By getting to know her as a goddess, I realized how accepting people were in the past and tolerant on certain issues. For sure, ancient times were very different than life now, but other times I feel we were just the same. However, strangely, I truly feel as if in the ancient times people were actually more open-minded than anyone in the present day. Today, with the help of Aphrodite and the Mother Goddess, I would like to discuss the topic of gender roles, gender identity and sexuality, and the revolution through time. It is a topic that is often discussed by the political powers, even though certainly it is more than just political. Recently, all over social media, I can see the continuous fight for equality and awareness for LGBT plus people, especially transgender and non-binary people. Therefore, with the help of mythology and history, I would like to show to the world that LGBT plus people are not a new thing. They are not people who, for whatever reason, are trying to tend the world's culture. They've always been part of humanity and the world. So let's start. Aphrodite is part of many great myths and stories of love and heartbreaks. She is the perfect woman that every man wants and every woman is jealous of. However, not many people know that Aphrodite also had a male form. And not only that, she was also androgynous or intersex. Cypriots believed by her being both genderous or an intersex, she was complete and self-sufficient. Specifically, as the goddess of fertility, having both genders meant she could create life on her own. 
For instance, in Amathus, an ancient city in present-day Limassol, the second largest city in Cyprus, they found a statue of Aphrodite where she is wearing a dress, yet she has male genitals. Perhaps that was the ancient Cyprus way to show or portray transgender, non-binary or intersex people. Aphrodite, as I said, was a goddess of everything. So it shows everyone needs to be represented by her. Furthermore, in her male or intersex form, she was called Aphroditus. And during his festival, women could act as men and men as women, exchanging clothes and roles. It is interesting to see how, many, how today many nations will describe this ritual as disgraceful when thousands of years ago it was a sacred act. And if you ask me, this sounds very similar to a very popular act that we all know today as drag kings and drag queen, queens. However, this is only a fraction of transgender and non-binary representation in ancient times. If we search more, there is historical evidence that transgender people have been around much longer than you think. For example, another ancient mother goddess of the Greeks, before Aphrodite, was Kiveli. She was the goddess of Phrygians, who adopted her from Anatolian cultures. It is documented that she was worshipped by priests that wore feminine clothes and referred to themselves as women. Often, they also castrated themselves. They were known as Gali priestesses. This is evidence of early transgender figures. Furthermore, there were many women who would cross-dress and live as men. But unfortunately, not long after the War of Troy, Cyprus culture and religion started to change. The war brought many damages to many different city-states in Greece. Therefore, after they collapsed in the second millennia, many Greeks settled down in Cyprus. With their arrival, Cyprus' lifestyle, habits, customs and language started to shift. Eventually though, the Greeks adopted the mother goddess and the legend of Aphrodite as we know it today was created. Ancient Cyprus was described as very open-minded regarding sex and gender. However, greed and power created other perceptions of both sex and gender. What started as a beautiful belief of life shifted into a greedy, patriarchal and toxic masculinity society. For instance, as I mentioned, in the past, both women and men could dress up as the opposite gender. However, once patriarchy took over Cyprus, women were obliged to stay at home to take care of their children and to be treated as slaves, while men could do whatever they wished to do. So in art, such as in theatres, only men could participate, meaning that even the roles of women were played by men. On one hand, that shows the oppression against women. On the other hand, it shows that, in fact, beauty, such as makeup, elegant dresses, and even high heels in more recent history, were actually invented and meant for men, not women. 
Today, it is common for people to disgrace men who are supposedly more feminine and love to wear beauty products. But in the past, in ancient Greece, they had a huge gay culture. But at the same time, homosexuality in ancient times was seen in an entirely different way than today. Certainly, I would like to mention that in the ancient Greek civilization, pederasty was a huge part of people's social life. But it is true that homosexuality was not frowned upon. In fact, sexual orientation was not seen as a social identifier like today. What was more important for ancient Greeks was social status. They had a dominant and submissive culture. So, the submissive partner, whether that was a man or a woman, would face discrimination and social stigma. An example of a relationship between two men would be Achilles and Patroclus. Although it is not evident whether they had a sexual relationship, it is still strongly believed. Patroclus is portrayed as older than Achilles, yet Achilles is stronger with a higher status. So Patroclus is perceived as the weaker man and submissive. And indeed, I remember when I read the Iliad, it is evident that Homer is trying to make us feel sorry for Patroclus, as if he is weak. Regarding powerful women, although there are many, the most famous ones would be the Amazon women. Certainly they are mythical, but as always, myths are based on true facts and true faces. Therefore, perhaps there were indeed women who were warriors and brought forth fear towards men. However, if we are talking about homosexuality, for sure the most famous lesbian in history is Sappho, a poet from Lesbos, which is the island that the name lesbian comes from. Sappho was known for her love poems towards women. In some cases though, such as Agnodiki, she dressed up as a man to get a degree in medicine while Axiothea, she cross-dressed to attend Plato's lectures. So these women probably cross-dressed because of the gender roles at that time, rather than gender identity. It is no secret ancient civilizations, and unfortunately many today, have, oppressing, have been oppressing women with greed and patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Gender roles have been oppressing both men and women for thousands of years, and sometimes when looking at our history from more than three or four thousands of years ago, it seems humans were much more open-minded and tolerant. The miracle of birth turned into a curse for many women because of expectations, while sexuality and gender identity is now a taboo in most of the countries of the world. Perhaps the ancient Cypriots can teach us once again what life and humanity really is. And with this, today's podcast comes to an end. I hope you enjoyed it. Of course, this is only a short introduction of Aphrodite and her connection to sexuality and gender identity. Nevertheless, I hope you learned a bit of the ancient history of LGBT plus people. On the next episode, I will introduce to you Ephestus, the husband of Aphrodite, 
and we will discuss about discrimination of disabled people as well as beauty standards in the modern world and how they oppress people in different ways. Thank you for staying in tune. Bye.